I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. Love Letters is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who save with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Am I allowed to use slightly inappropriate language? No. Okay. All right. Um, okay. You can say shit and damn and fuck. Can I say bitch? Because the first thing that comes to mind is, bitch, you can't ground me. (laughs) From the Boston Globe and PRX, this is Love Letters. I'm Meredith Goldstein. My sister Brett and I have lots of experience with step-parents and almost step-parents. Our relationships with these people haven't always gone well. This, I think, can often be the case when parents enter new relationships following a divorce or a loss. It's an especially fraught new beginning for all parties. The parents, the partners, and of course us, the children. I recently asked Brett to help me draw up a list of attributes for an ideal step-parent. I suggested to her that we could put this list to song. You know, like those kids in Mary Poppins who sing their wishes for the perfect nanny, and then it works. She shows up with a bunch of cool shit in her purse. If you want this choice position, have a cheery disposition. Jane, I don't... Rosy cheeks... No words. That's the part I put in. Play games, all sorts. The song Brett and I came up with about the perfect step parent, it's a little different. Don't buy a cat because I'm allergic to them. Therefore, can't sleep comfortably in your house if you have a cat. Hmm. Okay, this is, the, this is my most important one, though. This is for everyone. Let me spend time with my parent without you. Hmm. Okay. Um, how about this? Like, um, I'm the one that is allowed to talk trash about the parent whose sperm or ovaries and shit made me. Like, like nobody's allowed to talk trash about you. I can talk trash about you. That kind of thing. Yeah, right. Like, I can make jokes about our mom. No one else can make jokes about our mom. Right. I know this is specific, but... Don't give me a lecture about house rules and the only house rule is if you steal my cocaine, don't replace half of it with baby powder because you will get caught. That was the fucking house rule. This brings up a whole other episode that we probably won't get into. (laughs) You need to unpack this in therapy. Don't make the house rules stupid, overly aspirational and unachievable, given that I'm just a teenager and I can't handle this. Know that you probably shouldn't come first. 
bitch. <laughs> um. <laughs> Obviously, there were some tough times in there for us as kids. Look, we did our best. As we got older, Brett and I actually thought a lot about how step-parents should behave, because we've always identified with those kids. But a weird thing has happened as we hit middle age. We're now at that place in life where our friends are the step-parents, or about to become step-parents. And that gives us some new empathy. The people we used to be so critical of, we now realize they're just trying to enjoy their new relationship. They have no idea how to suddenly fit in around these kids with big feelings and sometimes big hormones. And the stakes are pretty high because if you fail at being a step-parent, it can sink your romantic relationship. That must be such a tough thing as a step-parent to be able to have boundaries and stay in your own power and integrity and yet still be cool or however else you want to call it. That must be really hard. My advice is just pay attention because that goes a long way. Just for you to even be aware of what's going on in a child's life and yet not trying to be an advice monster or micromanage it. Like just to be aware and say like, oh, how's Nicole doing or whatever. Like that's a great thing. Like just pay attention, listen, memorize names. And that way they'll talk more and they'll trust you more. This brings us to today's story. It's a story Brett and I know well, because it's about somebody we grew up with. I'm Stacy Morris. Happy to be here. I went to high school, middle school, all those grade schools with Meredith, and I'm a longtime listener of Love Letters. And I'm living here in beautiful Sykesville, Maryland, which is outside of Baltimore. Growing up, after my parents divorced, I was a little obsessed with Stacy's home life, because it seemed pretty great. She had the most adorable little brother. Her mom was so kind. And her dad was the coolest. He was the son at the center of Stacy's universe. My father, huge personality. And everybody loved that guy, especially me. I probably would have said when I was a kid, who is the person you most look up to? Who's your best friend? Oh, it's my dad. It's my dad. So cool, so funny, so outgoing. And I always wanted to be just like him. But then... High school happened, and in my last year of high school, I came home from high school one day, and he was moving out. <laughs> he was moving out. He thought he was going to get out of there before I got home. Nobody was home. So it was, a, uh, it was a surprise. I had no idea. My brother had no idea. Come to find out, my mom really had no idea also. Everything kind of changed for me starting at that moment. The curtains were drawn, <laughs> and it became real life all of a sudden. Stacy's dad leaves her mom. Really, he leaves the whole family. For a while, he remains that cool dad to Stacy, But then he starts a new life with someone else. During her college years, while Stacy is struggling to pay for school and figure out life, he bails entirely. There was no school loan. There was no money for college. There was no <laughs> place to live. So I started trying to figure that stuff out. And then he pretty much just dumped me. At this point, her dad is no longer the person Stacy most looks up to, not even close. In fact, when Stacy begins looking for a romantic partner as a young adult, she wants someone who's nothing like her father. 
So I kind of had this preconceived notion that I needed to be with someone who, quite honestly, lacked charisma and was more serious about life and relationships, serious in the way that I would know that this person was going to be loyal by the way they acted. And it didn't matter if they didn't remind me of my dad because that was gone. That was completely ripped out from under me and threw me for a loop. I didn't want to repeat history. I was just trying to latch on. (laughs) I don't want to say to anyone, but I met this guy at this job who was also hustling and trying to make it. And we decided that we would make it together. Stacy is 21 when she meets this very predictable, consistent man. They move in together almost immediately. Eventually, they get married. She feels safe. They're loyal to one another and good friends, she says. He's a good guy. But it's not exactly a fairy tale romance. I just kind of realized I wasn't really in a relationship like I thought I was going to be in when I grew up. I was in a very unromantic relationship. There was not a physical relationship happening with this man. And, you know, you look at yourself in the mirror and you go, I'm, I'm 27 years old. <laughs> this is probably as good as, it, as, as it's going to get here. What's, what, what's wrong with me, <laughs> right? And then, even the predictability goes away. He starts retreating from her. At one point, he actually bought me a couch and a dog And he said, I'm going to be here on this couch with this dog. And you're going to be over here on the other couch with this dog. It's perfect. And it, like, just really scared me. It's like he wants a completely separate life from her within their shared space, Stacey says. He really can't deal with any kind of sharing. It was shocking. And I I just remember that that was the exact time that I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. What have I done? What, What life is this? Am I, am I stuck? Am I, is this my existence? Both of them realize they need professional help to determine why he's boxing her out like this, why he needs things like separate couches. They go to two doctors and get the same diagnosis. Stacy's husband has a personality disorder where he pulls away from people. It wasn't going to get better. They decide it's best to divorce. Stacy is 29. She understands now that what seems to be the safest option for love isn't always the best one. She wants an actual partner on the same couch. It doesn't take that long to find someone with potential. Right before her divorce becomes final, her friends Chip and Linda invite her to a party. She shows up, and right away, she notices Tim. I can tell immediately, physically, I was just like, who's that? Who is that? Oh, I'm so excited. And went over, struck up a conversation, and just, I I couldn't stop talking to him. The conversation just flowed. He was funny, God, so attractive, and just, I mean, the best smile, looking right at me. It It was great. I just had the feeling. I had the feeling like that was Keanu Reeves and I was in eighth grade. Like it was, it was that feeling, okay? It was that good. In the first half hour that I met him, he pulled out his wallet and proceeded to show me pictures of his two children. I didn't even think about being with someone that had kids before this conversation with him, but I didn't even think twice about it. He was like, these are my kids. They're awesome. Here's what's going on with them. And I I just wanted to hear more. And I just wanted to be a part of whatever he was a part of. 
how old would they have been when he was first telling you about them? So Andy was like nine, nine or 10, and Peyton was in middle school still. But you weren't like, oh, oh God, these are people who are 10 years or more from leaving the house. Like you hadn't started to do that no. math? Okay. No, no, no. I did do the math that they weren't infant children, which that did appeal to me because <laughs> you're, you're I've like, never... They are not currently pooping in baby right. diapers. Were, yes, they could feed themselves. If I can reason with them, I'm always more interested in that age of child, seemingly. <laughs> so I felt that this would be okay. You know, I felt that this was workable. And he's telling me how interested they were in sports and it seemed like we had some things in common. So I was like, this will be no problem. Yeah, why wouldn't they like me? <laughs> little, little did I know. Spoiler alert, Stacy is not Mary Poppins. More when we come back. Okay, we're back. So the romance takes a while to get going because of Stacy's divorce. But a few months after meeting Tim at that party, when all is settled, Stacy and Tim start dating. He's an absolute dream. He's kind to her, and he's a hard worker. He's funny. After three or four months of being together, when it feels pretty serious, she meets Tim's kids, his son Andy, who's 11 by this point, and his daughter Peyton, who's 14 and has just started ninth grade. Andy's pretty easy. He's a kid who likes sports. Stacy played a ton of softball when she was younger, so she's a natural at cheering him on. Our main dating life was focused around Andy's travel baseball, which ended up being so fun for me, right? I was meant to be a baseball mom. I love hanging out with parents on the sidelines. I loved going on these trips. But mainly, we would sit there and watch practice, and that was the courtship. With Peyton, Tim's daughter, things are more complicated. I specifically remember with Peyton, they had come down my way. Peyton had a soccer game down where I lived, so I took a girlfriend and met Tim and some of his friends at that high school. She was a freshman in high school to watch that soccer game. She hadn't been introduced to me yet, but she saw me sitting with her dad. And then at the end of the game, all I said was something like, great job. And she looked at me like I had, you know, 10 heads. She was like, who the hell are you? <laughs> who the hell is this woman? So she was not warned that she was about to meet somebody important. I don't know Come to find out later, she actually told me she had that look on her face because she was nervous her dad was dating the person I was with who was considerably younger than me. <laughs> so that ended up being not, you know, a little bit of a misunderstanding. But still, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great. With Andy or Peyton, there was never a time when it was like, this is Stacy, and then everybody gives each other a hug, and we're all gonna be a happy family now. Stacy moves in with Tim a little over a year after they become official. Tim has the kids part-time. Most of the week, they're with their mom, who basically lives down the street. It's a big change for everyone, but especially Stacy, whose last husband was, like, on his own island by the end of it. Now she lives in a place where kids are coming and going. Also, Peyton is at a rather combustible age to be inheriting a stepmom type. When I first started dating Tim, and especially when I moved in, Peyton was in high school, early in high school. Quite like myself, she had a lot going on. 
She's, she had a lot going on. But quite unlike myself, Peyton was what uh, I believe she would admit that she was quite the mean girl in high school. I mean, self-proclaimed. So this is where I have to admit something. Around this time, Stacy would call me and we'd talk about her new life. She was madly in love with Tim. Not so much with Peyton. Peyton had everything, Stacy would complain. She was perfect, smart and pretty, and things seemed to come easy to her. And I'd be like, ugh, Peyton sounds like somebody we totally would not have been friends with in high school. There just really wasn't any respect given, <laughs> in my opinion, in communication to myself, certainly, and to her dad. You know, just whatever, whatever, whatever. You know, this, this kind of attitude. I watched her drive away in his infinity, and he would take his beat-up truck on days that she was driving because she said people were giving her a hard time about the beat-up truck, and she had to drive the infinity. Things like this, you know? And I'm what, what are you doing here? <laughs> No, no, beat-up truck is good for character. I had everything I ever needed when I was a kid, but my brother and I had jobs and we had chores and things like that. And these kids did not have those things. <laughs> they did not have chores. They did not have jobs. And, and I was just so hyper-focused on the way I grew up was the right way that I, I kind of dug in and just... I cringe thinking about how I, I, the air of superiority that I was feeling over this teenage girl when, in fact, she was a teenage girl and I was an adult. Stacy is right. Here we were shit-talking a literal teenager who was still learning how to be a person. Of course Peyton was going to be a brat sometimes. That's totally age-appropriate behavior. Meanwhile, we were 30-something women. At some point, it occurred to me that Stacy was maybe a little jealous of Peyton— she was also competing for Tim's time. A very bad thing was happening. Stacy, my friend, was becoming the kind of stepmother I would have hated. It was pretty easy with Andy. He's the boy. He was messy, but I like to clean things up, so that's not really a big deal. Peyton, also messy, but for some reason that really pissed me off. <laughs> Why? I was a messy teenager, too, so I, I don't even understand. Did you actually say things to her, or were you saying it to Tim? No, I wouldn't say things to her. I ice people out. So the one thing that really would get me in trouble with my relationship was that, yeah, I'd come home, and sometimes if she was there and they were having some great conversation, I would just go up right upstairs, you know, hello, goodbye. Let me just pause here and say that Stacy is an excellent icer-outer. She can be scary as shit with a silent treatment. It is an incredible skill. I came to see that Stacy was expecting far too much from her partner's teen daughter. But it was complicated for me because I also knew that Stacy deserved to be at the center of somebody's life. When we were around Peyton's age, Stacy was always working like 19 jobs, often with a smile on her face. Her dad bailing on the family left this huge psychological hole. Then later, she had a marriage where a man literally told her to get off the couch. With Tim, she'd finally found the right partner. She just wanted life on her own terms. Still, it wasn't fair for Stacy to resent Peyton for having an awesome dad in her life, for having what Stacy didn't. It really hurt Tim 
And we would talk about that when they weren't around. And so now instead of having fun when the kids aren't around because it's light and airy and we're dating, now we are trying to create a life together. And when we're not with the kids, we're talking about what's wrong (laughs) with us, with the kids. How my face, I can't stop my face when I when I feel an emotion and these things. And it it was killing Tim. I really don't think it it affected Peyton that much because I she was thriving and she was really as busy as she was. She she was doing all these things and she was getting ready for college and her next stage. Big plans. And and I just felt like an afterthought to most of those things. And I really don't blame her for that now. They all basically suffer through the tension until Peyton goes to college. Then Stacy gets her wish. She and Tim move into a dream home, which represents something they've built together. It's new. The guest rooms are awesome. The pantry is well-stocked. When Andy goes off to college, there are no more kids around. So we got married, which was 2014. We got married. Peyton was we had a good we had a good time. She we were in a good place when we got married, but then she came back and lived with us near the end of the summer. I always wanted a certain kind of house. I wanted to decorate it in a certain way, and I just wanted the fun of that. So Tim really did do this for me and for my dog at the time, Winston, who had never gotten to live in a fantastic huge yard. But after Peyton graduates from college at the start of 2018, she graduated a semester early, by the way. She decides to move into the house to save money and look for work. This is when Stacy realizes there is no such thing as a home for just her and Tim. If Stacy wants her romantic relationship to work, she has to work through any jealousy and judgment toward Peyton. She tries to deal with this by having a talk with her. There was a conversation that was heated, and it, it was just the two of us. And that was when we, we really just were like, look, we just got to make this, we just got to make do with this. This is just a period of time that will pass. We are going to make the best of it, but it doesn't mean that you have to like me or anything. We just have to keep moving forward because of your dad. And we, we totally agreed. We totally agreed on that. And then we just once again iced each other out, much to Tim's dismay. <laughs> it was horrible, horrible for him. I knew she wasn't going to live there forever. Nobody who's as driven as her lives with her parents forever, like she was on her way. She was doing the right thing. She was saving a couple of bucks so that she could really set herself up and not have any debt when she moved out. I mean, unbelievable. Great move. It was a short time situation, and Tim would remind me of that all the time. She's only here for a few months. Come on, this is, we're, this, we're at the end of this road. And in retrospect, she was still so young. Still so young. Like this oh. idea that it like, what was she, 2021, that you were like, okay, already. <laughs> yes. It's time. It's time especially, for us to be adults. Especially by now, like the terms of now, or especially during COVID, where everybody's like, hey, I'm 38, living with my parents again. Like it's, you know, it's a different. But think back to me and and how I was on my own at 17. And I kept reminding her of that. And I'm sure she did not appreciate that. The relationship between Stacy and her stepdaughter finally begins to shift late one night when Tim and Stacy get a surprise call from Peyton. Peyton has moved to her own place by this point. She has a good job. She's starting to create her own life. But 
she makes a mistake. She gets in trouble, and she needs to make a call at 3 o'clock in the morning. And of course, she calls her dad, which always makes me happy that she would call her dad when she has an emergency. The thing that happens is that Peyton gets a DUI. Stacey didn't want to talk about this in the interview without Peyton's permission, but we got the story from Peyton. Stacy, who works in HR for the county, has an understanding of the system and what Peyton needs to do to make amends. She starts to advise Peyton on how to navigate all this. Stacy soon grows impressed at how her stepdaughter is fully admitting that she screwed up and wants to fix it. This accountability for Stacy is a game changer. And she really just seemed to kind of be humbled by a mistake she made and ready to do the right thing to get to the next phase of her life. And it was so, oh, I wish she hadn't have had to go through that because nobody wants to see someone that they love go through this kind of thing. But man, it changed everything. It changed everything in the way that I, that I looked at her because she really, she just did it. She just said, she accepted this is what happened. Taking responsibility, going to move on. She didn't miss a beat, and I, I could be inspired by that. To me, that moment seemed to change things because everybody figured out who they really were in relation to the person they loved, Tim. Stacy realized she had something to offer Peyton and that Peyton was human. Peyton, meanwhile, was willing to accept warmth and help when offered and to see Stacy in a new light as an ally in her life. Because I'm a child of divorce who has her own Mary Poppins song to sing, I knew this story would not be complete without Peyton's take on the whole thing. So we called up Peyton, who's now 28, and I asked her, what does she remember of those early years with Stacy and her dad? To me, there was never any red flags, and I was always really happy that he had somebody, but it more so just became, you know, she moved in. And I remember the first thing that stands out is like, we had a cat and Stacy's allergic to cats. So we had to get rid of the cat. And then Stacy kind of moved in and it wasn't that it was a bad thing or that there was any blowout fights. I don't think I can recall a single time when I was that age where we really got into it. It was more just a level of discomfort where you kind of feel like a stranger in your own home. I felt like I was tiptoeing around that house a little bit more. I was a pretty good kid. I was annoying, but I was, you know, very well-behaved, good student. I was, a, you know, a bitchy teenager at times. But now when I hear her reflect back, I'm like, okay, like I wasn't that bad. We never really had any common ground. There wasn't like a frame of reference for where she was at in her life and vice versa. Like our only common ground was for my dad. So I think we always, both of us, our priority, I think was his happiness and making sure that that relationship stayed intact. So I think we put on pretty good face for that. Peyton does remember one night when things came to a head for her a night when Stacy and Tim were having one of those fights about Peyton. It was when she was temporarily living with them after college. It was probably only like a month before they had just a huge blowout fight. And I wasn't doing anything wrong to cause it, but I knew it was just 
because Stacy was stressed about my presence. You know, she wanted it to just be the two of them. And I just heard them screaming. I was upstairs in my room. I heard them screaming at each other. And I knew it was just because I was there. Could you hear what they were saying? Not really. I, you know, my dad is always really, really defensive of me. And I knew that he was kind of saying she's not doing anything wrong. And I think she was just frustrated that it couldn't just be the two of them in this house. So I just kind of took it upon myself without my dad or Stacy telling me that I needed to. But I packed my stuff and went to my mom's and moved in full time with my mom. Again, it came down to I just felt uncomfortable and it was their world and I didn't want to impede on that. It's funny. Remember that big face-to-face with Peyton that Stacy talked about? Peyton has no memory of it, probably because she was just trying to live her life. But she does remember the DUI, of course, and how it softened the dynamic between her and Stacy. Stacy always kind of looks back at that and I just says that watching how I handled that kind of on my own without relying on them and taking charge and kind of accepting responsibility for what I had done and making sure that I kind of level set moving forward, that that was really a turning point for her. You know, it wasn't really on my end, but for her, she has said that that kind of shifted her perspective and just gave me a little bit more respect coming from, from her. Also, they both just matured, which gave their relationship space to evolve. Just being able to, to make my own money and live my own life and have some separation. Once you're out of the house and you're not seeing someone every day, when you do get to see each other, you have things to talk about. Peyton also says that as she's gotten older, it's easier to have empathy for Stacy, who was barely in her 30s when she walked into their lives. My fiance is the is the age that Stacy was when she entered the picture. And if I think about him, you know, hopping into someone's life who has a 14-year-old, a I, I just can't imagine. During quarantine times, Stacy and Peyton were close enough that the two couples were part of a loose bubble. They met on the lawn to hang out. They drank orange crushes. It's a Baltimore drink. You can Google it. Today, it's clear Stacy adores Peyton and values her as a friend. The irony here is that a big reason why Stacy fell for Tim to begin with was the way he loves his kids. Remember, this is the guy who showed off pictures of Andy and Peyton just minutes after meeting Stacy. He definitely found a way to prioritize me and our relationship but never, ever above his children. And that is the way it's supposed to be. And from someone, I might not have children of my own, but from someone who did have a dad, who did not prioritize me, and isn't in my life at all, which I still get, I have a lump in my throat when I say that, um, I, this, is the, this is the best quality that this man could ever have. I asked Stacy what advice she would give to people who fall for partners with kids. You have got to be patient with your partner when they tell you, listen, we're right in the middle of all this. We, this is my responsibility. You know, when kids aren't 18 now, when they aren't 21, when they aren't 25, they still need help. They need guidance. They need people to be the adults. They don't need added stress of someone trying to battle them for their own father's attention. 
but it's still really hard because yeah, you want the attention. You want you want it to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect. But man, Tim had told me the whole way through, if this is as worth it to you as it is to me, and if you can just hang on, if, you, if we can just get through these times, it is going to be just us. It's going to be just us most of the time. And then guess what? For that 10% of the time that it's not just us, it's wonderful. You kill someone if it's just the two of you, okay? You need other people. You need other things to worry about. You need to care about other people. So it's the patience. It's, it's the patience. Peyton is now getting married. I was there the night she got engaged alongside all the other parents. We've had a conversation where she actually told me that I was going to be a full-on grandparent, you know, not just some half-grandparent. And those are the kind of things that I'm really excited about because we got through the tough time and here we are where it's time to like enjoy life. Peyton and I are at the point where we're, I mean, we're texting daily. We text about the, the silly little things. It's really fun. I I love it now. I love it now. I'm so glad I hung in there. But I also, I'm just really thankful that Tim hung in there with me because I I, I know I made it harder than it had to be. I was terrified that I would lose him because I knew, I always knew that if it came down, there was never even, there would never be a conversation of kids versus Stacy. But if it didn't work out because it was too stressful on the kids or on Tim for me to be around and, you know, not be able to be happy in the, in this situation. Think about what I would have lost. I would have lost the guy. He's the guy. Love Letters is a production of the Boston Globe and PRX. Today's episode was co-written by Natachi Anwamebu. It was produced by Caitlin Harrop and Scott Hellman. Ned Porter does our audio mixing, sound design, and mastering. Devin Smith does our audience engagement. Love Letters illustrations by Ashanti Davis. Check them out on the Love Letters Instagram. Special thanks to Brian McGrory and Linda Henry. Our music is from APM. And if you like the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We're online at loveletters.show. Don't upstage me at my own bat mitzvah. Here's a do. Here's a do. Do decorate your house in crazy Christmas shit because we're Jewish and we like it. And that works for us. Yes. Yes. I'm Meredith Goldstein. Thanks for listening.